Healthcare and senior care is fraught with problems and challenges, but we're also seeing some amazing new clinical treatments and resources. This show will help illuminate and uncover the good, bad, and the ugly in order to equip patients, families, and other healthcare providers. Welcome to Senior Care Confidential. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Senior Care Confidential. I'm here with my friends, Justin and Michelle. Um, oftentimes, following a crisis in a hospital, there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, the, the family member might not be ready to go home yet. Um, and so there's this transitional period where we're trying to figure out what's the best steps for them before they come home and we can make sure that they're safe. And so Justin and, Pam join, uh, Justin and Michelle sorry, join me from Pam Rehab. And so we're here to discuss inpatient rehab and the implications of that, who might qualify for that, and what the results of that that kind of a setting are. So welcome. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Um, what is inpatient rehab or post-care rehab? How would you define that? Yeah, okay. so it's an acute care setting that is very therapy driven, very therapy intensive. We do three hours of therapy daily between multiple disciplines of physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, depending on the patient's needs. Um, we see an onslaught of different diagnoses uh, across orthopedics, musculoskeletal, uh, neuro, uh, pulmonary, cardiac, a multitude of diagnoses. Right? Kind of the so, gambit, yeah. A, a majority of our patients are geriatric. Yeah. We will get some traumas, you know, orthopedic traumas that can be younger um, or, you know, traumatic brain injury or stroke or things of that nature where it can be a younger population, but a majority are geriatrics. Okay. And these are people primarily that have probably had Although I know you do some direct admits from the from the house, which we'll get to in a second, yep. but these are primarily people who've had some sort of a, well, be it a medical complication or an injury or a recent surgery, and they just aren't quite functional or safe enough to go home yet. And this is kind of a kind of an in between, kind of a re more intensive rehab than they're even going to get in a hospital. Is that kind of what this is? Yeah, that's yeah. fairly accurate. Yeah, so in, in the hospital setting, um, it's more about evaluating for next placement of care, right? So yeah. you know we've kind of moved away from the traditional hospital kind of stay where you're getting a lot of therapy to where now they're just identifying placement and saying what's safe yeah. for a discharge. Um, and the individuals that seem to come to us most often are those who were high functioning before, who have for some whatever reason, reason uh, some kind of deconditioning, whether it be from disease pathology or from some kind of traumatic injury or surgery. Okay. And they might not be safe to go home or they're not high enough functioning level that where it's appropriate for them to go home. Okay. And they might need more medical management as well. Yeah. So the acute care hospital, like the hospital setting is really there for treating the acute, like the, the scary stuff, right? It's, it's getting them stabilized, making sure that, um, you know, whatever medical complications or whatever's happened is, is, um, corrected enough to where medically they're probably safe enough to leave that setting. But like you said, that's not really where the rehab, you know, the functional stuff is happening. It's really downstream from there. And that's where you guys are utilized. Mm -hmm. So I saw a recent statistic that said something like 62 million, um, people in the United States or one in four Americans have some sort of a disability and another 42 million are caregivers of people with a disability. So I can see a use case. In fact, we've used you guys several times where we've had family members that are concerned about mom or dad going home. And it doesn't matter whether mom or dad's living with them or mom or dad are living in an assisted living or even on their own with, with like private duty care. They recognize from the hospital that there's no way this is going to be safe for them to return home. And so that's why we've referred to you before um, because there's that, there's that good transition where we buy them another period of time. We'll talk about the period of time in a second, a period of time where we can get them 
um, safer, more functional, so that it's a more appropriate discharge to back home. Yes, and we want our patients to be able to come into PAM and to be able to go home and age in place. Yeah. So that's where you're starting to stay about the um, the length of stay. So yeah. we're seven to 14 days. Okay. Our average length of stay is 10 to 11 right now. Right. In-house right now, it's 12. Is that driven by the clinical makeup of the patient or is that driven more through regs and reimbursement or how is, is there, is it medic, does Medicare define what that time frame is or is that more what your therapist and your doctors see in the facility and they're going, okay, this is the most appropriate time frame. So uh, Medicare and these different health entities, it, it could be a commercial payer. Okay. But Medicare kind of sense the trends for the, the market, but based on the diagnoses and if they have multiple diagnoses, they will be put in, uh, in a case mix index, okay. right? Where they classify them. And based on that presentation across all of Medicare, they've identified this is the typical length of stay, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So they will, you know, give you an allotment or authorize so many days okay, based on that diagnosis and the comorbidities, right? And so we're given that number and based on their function is when we discharge. Got so it. we might go past that number. We might be before that number. Okay. At the end of the day, we want to get people home safely. Correct. Right? So yep. that's the most important to us is yep. patient care. So, you know, we'll, we call them barrier days. When we go past that number, we're, you know, the way they pay us is they give us a lump sum for those number of days. Okay. Right? Let's say it's 18 days. Well, if we go to 27 days, that's nine unpaid days because it's just a lump payment. But you guys lump are doing it payment. anyway because the, the ultimate goal is we want the patient to, th to thrive back at home. And so if 100%. we need a few more days yes. on this, then, then we'll eat the cost on that. Mm -hmm. um, we were going to get into payers later, but since you, since you brought it up, yeah. um, on the payer side of it, yes. what are you guys seeing different? Because I know, I, so as a home health provider, we see this a lot too. And a lot of times the family members don't know, the seniors don't know. I mean, shoot, I've, I've interviewed a bunch of insurance reps too who aren't aware of some of the... The benefits and the consequences, because there's both, mm -hmm. of like Medicare Advantage plans or, in other words, a Medicare replacement plan. And so we have a lot of patients that we work with who will, will get orders for and they're thinking they're on original Medicare, but they're actually on an Advantage plan. And there's mm -hmm. some there's some misgivings or some misconceptions on what they do and don't cover. Are you all running into the same kind of issue with Medicare Advantage versus original Medicare at the rehab level too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the families are unaware that the, the patient has actually switched over to an Advantage plan. And so they'll say that they're coming into PAM with the Medicare, traditional Medicare, yeah. and when we actually run the benefits, they're actually you know an Advantage plan. Yeah. So those are really tricky. I'm actually in the secondary markets, which means I work with the home house, the ILs, or sorry, independent livings and the um, assisted livings and the doctor's office, which they um, which they discharge from home or they are being seen from home. Yeah. And so with that being said, um, we can take Medicare the same day so I can get those patients in if they have a medical diagnosis and they have the two out of three disciplines and we can get them in that day. Okay. But if they don't, then I have to set them up with the home health and that's where that continuum of care comes in and I set you up. And then we talk about how to get them in and what needs to be done. And sometimes they feel like, they should be getting in right away, but there's a process and procedures yeah. and everyone feels like it's Burger King. <laughs> they should have it their way. They can yeah. just walk in and come to right. a hospital. Yes, we're right. a hospital. We run like a hospital. So we definitely have But procedures. the payer sources sometimes create other hoops for y'all to jump, yes, jump through absolutely. if they're going to accept them. Yes. Um, but yes. so even if they're going to accept them, they, they, there are still other things you guys have to do. Yes. Are there, are there limitations that you see within like the days? I know Medicare sets a certain amount of days. Are you finding the same kind of thing on the Medicare Advantage or not no, so much? No, I mean, they're all, um, 
the the CMGs, the CMIs, they still grade them the same. They okay. still pay on the same pay scale. We just have to jump through more hoops and get them authorized. Yes. So I, I think if I am clarifying what you just kind of said is if they're the traditional Medicare, we don't have to jump through as many hoops. Yeah. We can right. get them in same day. Right. But if they're not and they're on one of these advantage plans, that's where we have to you know get creative and wait for authorization, jump through the different hoops, provide more, you know, clinical paperwork and yeah. information about their presentation. Yeah. And we just have to really justify it on the front end to yep. get them in. We're, with Medicare, you know, traditionally it's been a little bit easier of a process. Yeah. And so, and I've heard of examples where some of these, you know, family members' parents or the patients themselves where they don't even know they're not on traditional Medicare. And what happens is they receive paperwork saying, hey, you're going to be put on this advantage plan unless you opt to stay with traditional Medicare. Yeah, I've seen so that. I've heard stories of that. I don't know yeah. if that's rampant. Yeah, we've seen um, that. Yeah. But you know, that's why they're completely unaware because yeah. they didn't read it thoroughly yeah. and say, hey, no, 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 no. I want to stay on traditional Medicare. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have another guy on an, on a pre, on an upcoming show that's going to discuss more on that, but we see that stuff too. So I figured for the audience too, for them to be aware there, we do see things as providers. There is a difference in the flexibility within original Medicare versus some of the Medicare advantage plans. And some of the Medicare advantage plans are fine. We work with, we work with a number of them and they're completely reasonable and we don't really have to jump through as many hoops, but as it, by and large, original Medicare seems to be the easiest one to kind of work through. Um, and there are outcomes. I know we're going to talk about outcomes in a minute, uh, but there are, are positive outcomes if you if you have something moving through an aspect of the what we call the post-acute continuous is anything outside the hospital. So you have the hospital, which is acute care, and then anything, you know, whether it's skilled nursing facility, rehab, um, home health, those are considered post-acute after mm -hmm. the hospital. And there are there is data on there that shows engaging in those type of services following a hospital stay has shown to create savings for the payer source, whether it's Medicare or this Medicare Advantage. Mm -hmm. um, so um, in short, though, for y'all, like the the big focus is getting them reintegrated back into their in, in a senior's case, back into the home or their mm -hmm. whatever community they're in. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you guys are even working with some some younger folks who the reintegration might actually be back to work. Do y'all mm -hmm. see some of those as well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we um, we work with all of them, so we want to make sure that they go home again and we age in place or they go back to work yep. in a timely manner. So we want to get them. I mean, I just I admit, you know, sometimes fifty two year olds scary because yeah. <laughs> I'm 50. So, I mean, <laughs> but we want to get them back and we have great success stories for that all over the PM, you know, industry. Yeah. Okay. And then what about if in a scenario, let's, let's take like a, an 87 year old grandmother, right? She's got a falls, has a hip fracture. She goes through, you know, emergency room to surgery. She's going to spend a couple of nights in the hospital, probably following, um, you know, pin and, and screw placement. And then they're going to send them to, um, to y'all's rehab facility. And she's there for her 10 to 12 days or whatever that is. If at some point the progress is too slow or it's still pretty clear that she's not ready there, is there another option like skilled nursing facility can be an option? It's kind of like, almost like another step down unit. What's the difference mm -hmm. between y'all and skilled nursing facility, like a rehab and skilled nursing? Yeah. So skilled nursing facility, um, the big neck, big misconception is that we are the same and we are not, we are post acute medical, which we are the next level of care. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a chance to go into seeing us, I would highly recommend it because sometimes the case managers aren't aware that we can actually do an assessment right there at the hospital and make that assumption and oh. make that assessment for them okay. and let them know. So always be a patient advocate for your loved one. Yeah. Um, we strive on, again, I can't express enough, like having continuum of care and getting the patient home. So knowing those differences are, are like the education is what 
is needed as yeah. we talked about and yeah. being so overwhelmed with everything. Is it so is it cuz is sniff is less intensive. Is that why is yes. that why you're such an advocate for the for the post acute rehab yes, side? Yes, because okay. we have the 3 hours of we have the 3 okay, hours. That's where of, I was going. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have the 3 hours of therapy which is physical therapy, occupational and speech. Um, we have 24 hour respiratory therapist on site. We have a doctor that rounds every single day. Um, we have in-house pharmacy, in-house labs. We are traumatic brain injury certified. We are stroke certified and Parkinson certified. Wow. In-house okay. dialysis as well. And in-house so dialysis. One of the differences, you know, that I've seen is at the skill facility, they'll have physicians that round. Yeah. But they just kind of swing by, see everybody. We have physicians that we employ that are there every day. That, yeah. Like they're, they're seen daily they're, versus they're like weekly or bi-weekly. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they're also on site. Yeah. All day long. Okay. Right. And then we have physicians like specialists that round, like neurologists, orthopedists, and you know, okay. um, nephrologists that will come by that are specialized. But our PM and our doc is full time staff on site all the time. And, you know, like she touched on with the therapy, uh, in my mind, and I could be wrong, you know, in my thought process, but skilled nursing facilities are more nursing driven. And PDPM kind of changed that, mm -hmm. you know, whereas before yeah. they used rugs and it was very therapy driven. Mm -hmm. It's kind of changed to be more nursing driven um, just from the payment model. And, yes. you know, that operationally has kind of changed the navigation route as well. But um, medical management, you're leaving post-acute, you're leaving the hospital, you're either too low functioning prior or um, maybe you just need more medical management. Maybe skilled nursing is appropriate. Gotcha. But okay. if you're high functioning that helps. and you want to go home, yep. you know, I think inpatient rehab is honestly the, the best choice. But there is data from specific skilled nursing facilities where you can potentially go home, where they're getting a high number home, but it depends on their business model, right? A lot mm -hmm. of them will stay for their 100 days part A, mm -hmm. and then they'll switch into long-term care mm -hmm. because that business model for – that specific entity is they have a skilled side and they have a long-term side. Okay. And mm -hmm. so those individuals will become residents, right? And they'll stay there and live there and age in place there, yeah. right? Where we don't have any long-term care at our site. Mm -hmm. We do have long-term care facilities within our company nationally, but not at, you know, Pam Allen, Pam Richardson. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so you want those patients to get right from the hospital to get that post-acute care so they can go home. Yep. That's where it, we're, and we're getting those patients that are higher acuity patients, but we're also taking them. So um, as long as they can do the therapy, right? Yep. So we want them to be able to go home. And what Justin was saying is we want them to go back to the community. They want to go back to the IALs and the ILs and That's they right. want to go back you know, to their home. Because sometimes they live home alone, but they can have the home health and they can have the home care where you step in mm -hmm. and where our other entities come in and then they can age in place. Because a lot of them, they're seniors. They want to go home. They want to yeah. drink their wine. They want to have their coffee in the morning. Yep. They have the routine. like, And that's what I'm, a I'm a, I guess, a post-acute, you know, post, <clears throat> I would say post-acute medical advocate because I want those families to go home and be able to age in place and I want them to be happy. Yeah. And so uh, our goal is not to keep them. We want them to get them better and we want them to age in place. And then again, when and you, you wanna, guys pick them up. Yeah. And you want them to move quickly, which is why you guys do such intensive therapy. So yeah. on a previous podcast, I had a friend of mine who's from Florida. Actually, you're from Florida as well. Um, but he is a personal trainer that that, that is, uh, he's, he's got a geriatric specialized or something. He's got a degree in gerontology as well. And so 
he works with a, a bunch of independent living communities. And so he and I were talking about some recent statistics. There was a, there was a, a study that was done, I think it was last year, and they looked at two groups of um, seniors, uh, both 65 plus, and they took, they looked at one group and they put one group through exercise and it was a five month long. They did some nutritional stuff too. So they made sure that their, their uh, protein was dialed in and that kind of stuff. But for five months, they led them through resistance training exercises and the average participant gained roughly two and a half pounds of muscle mass, which for a 65 plus year old is, is, awesome. is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I, like I have a hard time doing that at 45. So, but they did fantastic. <laughs> and then I, maybe I need their trainer. Um, and then on the, um, on the other side, they put this other group, this plus 65 year old group in a hospital, essentially a hospital bed. And they just said, we just want you to be bed bound for the next 10 days. Oh in God. 10 days, they lost the equivalent amount of what it took the other group to gain in five months. And so to y'all's point, like there is a, there is a very strong use case for if we're not getting the rehab, as you said, in acute care, right? So if we're, if we've kind of shield, if we've shifted the business model away from, um, away from using acute care, a lot of therapy in acute care, which we see all the time. It's one of my biggest things when, I, when I'm talking with families mm -hmm. is make sure they get therapists coming out there at least to get them out of the bed, get them in a recliner or something, just getting them yeah. out of the bed stimulates the body to stay stronger longer. And we, we avoid some of the, the deleterious effects of being in the hospital. But to your point, like if we can get them from acute care to a post-acute um, rehab hospital like Pam, then with the intensity that you guys are doing, and I'm sure they're out of bed much more often than just the three hours they're doing therapy, then we can we can curb a lot of that um, decline that we would normally see from somebody who's bed bound. And to your point, in some of these cases where they're not medically sick enough to not go to re to a rehab hospital, they're going like a skilled nursing facility, they're, the rehab is a lot less intensive. And in some cases, that's completely appropriate for them. But yeah. the downside of that is they may spend too much more of their time in the um, hospital room itself or the bed itself mm -hmm. and, and precipitating more, more of that decline. Yeah. And when you get that patient that could actually do the re to do, to sorry, when you actually get a patient that actually can go into post-acute and they can have manage that three hours of therapy. And if they go to skilled, like for instance, I just had a patient that was wanting to come, well, I had a referral that was supposed to come from a skilled nursing facility yeah. and they basically laid in bed all day and they were trying to come to us. Well, by then the insurance got denied. They declined so much that they couldn't come to us anymore. And so that patient could not no longer go home. So the family's frustrated because they lost that opportunity. They lost that window. And they're like, where did we go wrong? And it's like, it's the education. Yeah, People right. need to be educated to know that you need to fight for your family yeah. member. And, and I'll do that the day is long. Yeah. I mean, everybody at Pam knows that I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll fight for my that's, patients. And that's why I have you guys on this, on this podcast too, mm -hmm. is, to, is to help identify like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces of the medical industry that a lot of people just aren't aware of and, or they mm -hmm. are aware of it, but they don't realize how crucial it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, utilizing a post-acute rehab hospital after hospitalization stay for for the right person is, mm -hmm. is huge. It's a huge benefit for them going back home because of how intensive it is. Um, and I know you guys are, you guys mentioned you have multiple, multiple disciplines there. You've got respiratory therapy, um, speech therapy, occupational therapy, and PT. And are they doing three hours a day, five days a week? Yeah. So they get okay. 900 minutes. So five days a week. Okay. Um, if we don't, if they miss it on one day, we make it up on another. So it could mm -hmm. be six or seven days of therapy. Okay. Just depending on if they got their minutes. Okay. Um, you know, if we're talking about the differences between skilled nursing, right? So at skilled nursing, if they're part A, like the reimbursements for them, which kind of drives what they do operationally, uh, they might be getting one hour a day, yeah. five days a week, three days a week. Right. You know, it depends, right? And then once they go to, I believe, part B, it changes as well, like the amount of minutes they can use, right? So, but it's, it, 
big takeaway is it's less than rehab, right? Yeah. And so depending on the patient's presentation, there's a lot of studies out there that show, you know, post-acute stroke, outcomes are dramatically better if you go to rehab first. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right? So yep. you're going to have 100%. a huge increase in function to get back to their previous level of function as opposed to going somewhere where they're not as in therapy intensive, yep. right? Just from like the neuroplasticity standpoint, yep. right? And we get patients who come to us who don't have you know, stroke or anything like that, they might have a UTI in the hospital and, you know, they're confused. They're a little delirious when they come to us. They're yep. weaker and deconditioned from being in the hospital. And their family members will say, like, we don't know what's going on. They're just not themselves. And they're so much weaker. You know, am I going to get my loved one back? Yeah. And then 10 to 12 days later, you know, they're much higher level functioning cognitively they're back to who they were their personality comes back they yep. like the lights come back on yeah you know and they're like oh my god thank you so much for everything y'all did absolutely you know yep. and so we get those great rewarding stories like yep. that so my mom hello yeah, yeah. case in point right <laughs> yeah um but yeah so when talking about like who's the appropriate inpatient yeah. rehab patient it's going to be individuals that were high functioning before okay and we have this narrow window of time that we can take advantage of yep. to try to get them back as close as possible yeah right and you're talking about like losing muscle mass yeah. if you're in bed you know a lot of these people are very sick right yeah. she talked about high acuity that means you know very sick yeah right so individuals that are very sick we can still take and we can manage a lot of things we have you know very skilled nurses yeah we have physicians on staff we can do dialysis we can do IV drips, you know, things like that. Okay. We, we don't intubate, you know. So that level of care, we would right. send back to the acute hospital. But, yeah. but yeah. you know, we can manage a lot of things medically. Okay. You know, and we take some very sick patients and get dramatic results. If I have a great-grandmother who's concerned about going to rehab because she's like, Brian, I can't do three hours of PT a day. How do, yeah, so I'm sure you guys hear that comment mm -hmm. quite a bit because I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, she's 98 years old. Can she really tolerate three hours? It's not, it can be as intensive as they want, correct? But yeah, we can also, we can make it uh, as appropriate them. for them as, as we can. Is that right? It's time intensive, but yeah. it's not like, you know, we're having grandma do squats or something. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like gotcha. it's, it's very modified to yeah. that level you know we so they shouldn't be concerned about the, the time uh, involved should not be right. a, a, a fear factor for them or contribute no. to that no. we, okay. we modify it to their level yes yeah, and, yeah the word intense you know it scares people. So yes. we just let them know that we can break up the it's therapy. Not, it's for not them. Navy SEALs training. Yes. Right. Yes. And just to go off what um, Justin was saying, a couple of things is one, my mom did have a UTI and she was there and Dr. Figaro did an amazing job. She was almost septic, like got her back up. She was delirious and got her back up and moving. But just to say like, those are the types of things that we can get them to come in and they don't have to go to the ER. So if you had a patient- okay that was going, you know, that had a UTI and you know that they had a UTI, I could admit them if they're med traditional Medicare, I could admit them that same day, make sure that they go back to you on service. And they don't, you don't, you won't get that RTA because you'll get with PDGM program, right. you'll get that institution Knowing rate. That, we'll be getting therapy three hours a day too. Yeah, you'll so be going the, back the to decline that. That, we'll, that we typically see after going to the hospital for a few days yes. could be, um, neglecting it, you know, reduced. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Another thing is just to go back to the insurances, just make sure that you're, when you get your insurance if it's an advantage plan, just make sure you have IRF benefits. It'll be IRF or inpatient. IRF is IRF, yes, inpatient yes. rehab facility. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So, so it'll, it'll sure. say it in their plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. And another thing just to say, just to educate about, you know, going to a skilled nursing facilities, there are some that are good that are out there. I mean, oh, we sure. know there's I some. I work with several of them. Yeah. Yes. And they're good. So just go to medicare.gov and just look and see what have, was said and what the star ratings are. I mean, call. Ask people, like get educated. Don't feel so overwhelmed. I mean, 
or call me. Like yeah. I am in there every day. Yeah. But just or call you. Like we are both educators. Yeah. Justin's an educator. We're in the skilled nursings every day. Just go there and just kind of see what's going on. We are fully staffed, so that's not even a question. Sometimes the skilled nursings aren't, and that's where the another huge challenge comes in okay. is because they're not staffed, and we are. Got it. So I wouldn't advocate for anything that, anything less than than working for Pam because I truly believe in it. Because I've had You're my there. mom twice. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, what are the questions you guys yes. hear from? Um, perspective, either social workers at the hospital level, physicians, or even family members who are calling you going, hey, you know, we're thinking about sending her over here to, to, to your facility, your rehab facility. What questions do they typically ask you that would be helpful for the audience to know outside of what we've already discussed? Just like what we can manage. Okay. I mean, a lot of yeah. times. So at a Richland location, we have pressurized rooms. We can take COVID positive patients or any kind of respiratory therapy issues. Okay. We have dialysis. You know, what can we manage from IV antibiotics, things like that. We can do those. So we can do a lot of things medically. Okay. Um, that yes. most people aren't aware of. Yeah. Private um, rooms, private baths. Yeah. Yep. Private room, private it's bath. very, and very clean. When y'all, when y'all finish with them though, you guys, your, your, your rehab department, they, you guys, you guys do a, a multidisciplinary um, case conference, right? So all this, all the disciplines are signing off and saying, Hey, this one looks like they're going to be ready to go home whatever home looks like, you know, in the yeah. next week or so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then your case managers or your social workers are then coordinating with care downstream, right? To make sure that there's a, a, an appropriate handoff, right? Because yeah, the last thing we want need. is, mm -hmm. and we see statistics on this stuff too. The last thing we want is someone who's appropriate for continued care at the home site and those orders never go out or it's delayed by a week or, you know, somebody never goes out. But you guys have been pretty good about, or really good actually, about making sure that oh, the collaboration happens before the patient's discharging. Yeah, so again, for family members, they're not being concerned about, okay, what's next? Like you guys are already being proactive. Oh on, yeah, from the this beginning. Is, this is the next thing that's going to happen. Here's how we're going to coordinate. Here's, here's what we're going to connect you guys with. Yeah, from the very beginning, our okay. social workers and case managers are there talking to the families and letting them know what's going on. They're introducing themselves like literally the first day. They do an assessment. Yeah. And they so in, just to go back in, with insurances, they approve for seven days usually. Okay. But then we'll go and we'll reassess and then, you know, they'll get, you know, maybe seven more days. It okay. just kind of depends on where they're at. But Great. the family will know every step of the way on what's going on. Awesome. So okay. we really try to pride ourselves on high level medical management. And we yeah. try to take them through the whole spectrum, right? So that starts while you're in the hospital. Traditionally, that's where a majority of ours come from. Um, and, you know, navigators like- And secondary like, market. And secondary market. <laughs> okay, right? so you and mentioned I, that a couple of different times. I'll, I'll so I know what too. that means. Yeah, can you uh, explain what that Yeah, But- um, like Michelle is one of our case navigators, right? And so she's bedside, you know, talking to case management about, you know, hey, tell me about some of the patients you have. Oh, this patient might be appropriate. Okay, let me look at their clinical information. Let me go talk to the patient, talk to the family. Yeah. And we try to, you know, communicate effectively and manage all the process for them throughout, right? So we mm -hmm. get them in with us. We'll help them through the authorization process with insurance, all of that, get them in with us. And then our case managers at our facilities, you know, we'll look at, you know, do they need equipment when they go home? Is that a walker? Is that a bedside commode? Because maybe, you know, they can't, you know, transfer all the way to the bathroom sure. just yet, yeah. you know, depending on their situation. Um, or anything else they might need. Do they need, you know, home respiratory care with oxygen? Yeah. You know, do we set them up with home nursing with home health companies or home therapy? You know, so some of these companies, home health companies, manage nursing and therapy, some only therapy. Yep. You know, so we'll navigate all of that with them. We'll get the orders in place. You know, we'll 
make follow-up appointments, help them coordinate that for when they get discharged. Great. Um, communicate all that to family, you know, package it all up, give it to them. But it doesn't end there. Like, we can still be a resource, sure. right? And not just to our patients, but, you know, to the companies we work with. Absolutely. Yes, and we'll yeah. follow up after they're discharged as well. You know, okay. the case managers will call and see how they're doing and, um, you know, make sure that everything was ordered correctly. But I just wanted to touch on another subject really quick is just about on how to get the referrals. Yeah. I know that that was, that's always with us. Like, what do we do? Yeah. How do we get stuff? Yeah. So just to let you guys know, um, and to be educated on it is that if you guys want post-acute care, let them know, let the hospital know that we, that you guys are fighting, you know, for your loved one and that we can come in and do in a bedside assessment. And I know we touched on a little bit at that for a little bit that before, but we have navigators in every single hospital. Okay. So no matter what, you know, just ask for the referral to be sent to us. And then one of the navigators will be there to go do an assessment. Okay. And then the secondary market. The secondary market, yeah. right? So your oh, assistant living market. facilities, okay. independent living yes, facilities, sir. skilled yes. nursing facilities. So primary market would be like at the hospital yes. site. Sorry, that's the secondary short term acute care hospitals, right? Yeah. Yes. Your big hospital systems where you're going to the ER yeah. traditionally. Okay. Not yes. like the urgent cares that are like on every corner. But yeah. if you go to a big hospital that has an ER, that's your short term acute care hospital, Got it. right? Okay. And, so and we can do direct admit from the ER. Yes, we can do it. So <laughs> let's say you go to their yeah. ER or one of these freestanding ERs. Yeah. You know, we can do direct admits there. So okay. that's the freestanding ERs are part of our secondary market. Yes. Yeah. Right. Physician offices, right? So we admitted a patient who went to the physician office who was deconditioned. Yeah. This is one of your patients. Um, who was deconditioned, oh, yes. went and saw his cardiologist. And it was like, man, I, it is just taking so much more energy these days. Like, I don't know what, I don't know if I got sick or what happened, but, you know, now I put on my pants and I have to sit there for like five minutes catching my breath before I can put my shirt on. And he's like, this is different, you know, over the last two or three weeks, this has come on. And if I keep this track, like it's making me very scared and nervous yeah. the direction I'm going. And the cardiologist was like, well, I think you need to probably go to rehab. And so- Straight to rehab, no hospital stay, no ER. That's awesome. You know, yeah. Medically, there was no urgency, right? There's yeah. nothing he could find I medically with labs, testing that was like, you know, oh, you're dealing with this underlying disease process. Sure. It was, oh, you're just getting deconditioned. And, you know, I can't really find a reason why, but let's send you to rehab. And I can still round on you there. I'll come see you as your cardiologist. Make sure that, you know, talk to their PM&R docs, you know, get labs there, keep track on you medically. Um, and that person came, I think they were with us for 12 days, went home again, you know, mm -hmm. raving reviews about their experience yeah. and, you know, so much healthier. They, they had been losing weight yeah. and they're raving about our food, which you don't usually hear about in <laughs> right. hospital <laughs> settings. Man, the food is great here. You know, I've asked for extra bacon. They didn't do that, but everything else was good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so gained weight while they're with us, gained strength, functioned That's through great. the roof. Like demeanor was much better. Okay. You know, talking to the family, they're like, man, it, it looked very bleak there looking at my dad. And now he's just a different and person. And normally that would have been a hospital admit, right? Then, or close. If, been, if we would have let it continue yeah. to go on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? He goes home and maybe five more days. Now he can't get out of bed. It's much more well, proactive. Family's yes. taken yeah. to the ER, right? It's so much better to be proactive, you know, to be proactive. Yeah. You know, I got you. in these types of situations, especially if, I mean, you're out there, you see them. Yeah. And so when they have a UTI or if they are, you know, if they do, if they are deconditioned, then I think the best thing to do is just ask us to do an assessment because, you know, no matter what, we'll be able to pick them up. There's no charge to the assessment. Yeah, you guys come in, no. is this yeah. appropriate? Can we help mm -hmm. you? Gotcha. Well, yeah, okay. and a lot of the time the STECs are discharging and the, the, they'll come home and they'll, just exactly what Justin said, they're not they're not ready to go home. They'll, ha they'll still have 
bronchitis yeah. or their Parkinson's flared up or, yeah. you know, whatever that those comorbidities are. Or they don't have the social support at home, yeah. right? Like, yes. yeah. like their loved one is going to work during the day if they're young, right? Or if they're mm -hmm. geriatric and they're like, well, you know, my son or daughter has to go to work during yeah. the day. So I'm by myself and I can't really do a lot. So now we're getting that deconditioning you're uh -huh. talking about where they're just, mm -hmm. you sitting. know, sitting all day, laying all day, yep. you know, and okay. maybe not eating enough because they're not getting up and preparing meals for themselves. And you start this like, downward spiral. Yep. So if we can be proactive yes. on the front end, and even if it's not with us, right? Like if right. we have to identify like, hey, it's not appropriate for you to come to us yet or at all, but we'll help with the process. Yep. You know what gotcha. I mean? Right. And they, they need to know that because if they go to sniff and they want to be able to be picked up, I think we mentioned that before, I can definitely pick them up and fight for a case to get them to come over to us. So don't gotcha. feel like you're lost and, you know, overwhelmed and frustrated if you're at a, a skilled nursing facility and you want to come to Pam, you still have that option and fight for that right to come. Because a lot of times I'll see, I'll speak with the families and they'll say, you know, well, the nurses are telling me that I can't do the three hours of therapy. Again, let us make that decision. Right. Yeah. We have clinical navigators that are there that can go see the and do the assessment and see the patient and make sure that they are appropriate for us. And I will pick them up. I'm kind of like the groom reaper <laughs> in skilled nursing. Gotcha. Sorry about that. But like um, I said, we can spread that out, right? Yeah. So yeah. Right. let's say you can't do three hours and it's not three straight hours. We break yeah. it up throughout the day. Like yeah. if you do an hour in the morning, you know, an hour before after lunch, an hour in late afternoon, like it, it doesn't feel like that much. Right. It goes yeah. by quick, right? Because yeah. it's all modified. We give appropriate rest breaks, all of that. Um, but there are situations, you know, going back on that, that it is appropriate maybe to go to a skilled facility, right? You know, if you're an individual who fell off a ladder and broke both your legs and you're non-weight bearing for six weeks, well, yeah, it might not be best for you yeah. to come to us immediately because we're mm -hmm. not going to be able to take advantage Right, of, you know where you're at. So let's go and let your bone healing happen, and that process to go through and get repeat imaging. And they say, okay, it's appropriate for you to start weight bearing. Okay, well now then maybe you can come transition. to us. Yes. Okay. Right. So there you. there are cases where we okay. work with skilled nursing facilities sure. because they're not the appropriate patient for us in that window. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But maybe later on they are. Sure. Gotcha. Yes. And that's where like a Michelle would come yeah. in and would track assessments. Keep, mm -hmm. keep on track with that patient yeah. over the course of their stay. And like, mm -hmm. did you have your follow-up with your orthopedist? You yeah. did. Okay. Did they say you're appropriate to weight bear now? Oh, on this leg you can? Well, that's enough to where we can start yeah. doing yeah. gait training, gotcha. strength training, yep. get you higher functioning so we can get you back home with family. Okay. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. This has been really good information. Yes. I so appreciate you guys coming. This Thank has been awesome. Thank you for having us. What is the best way for them to get in touch with y'all? Um, Email? Um, yeah, email is good. Um, do you want me to go ahead? Oh it. gosh, it's mcampabasso at pamrehab.com. My phone number is 469-406-9790. And I'm always ready for a tour in Allen and Richardson. I think you should probably spell that out. <laughs> I know. We'll put it on the screen. Yeah, so okay. yeah, yeah, okay. on the screen. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So Justin Newman, Jane Newman2 at pamrehab.com. So J N E W M A N two. Two Justin Newmans. Well, yeah, there's a Josie Newman. Oh. And we just had a leadership conference in Austin, and they're like, Justin Newman, have you met Josie Newman? I was like, you're the Jay Newman that stole my email. I have number two. And she's like, I've yeah. been there for like 15 years, and I deserve so it. Funny. All right, well, thank you all again so thank much. You so this much, has been a blast. Brian. All right. Thank you so much for having yeah. us. All right, sweet. It's been a pleasure.